When you look into Discover Student Loans, what you see might surprise you. We can help cover your college costs, don't charge you fees, and give you cash rewards for good grades. Ready to apply? Visit discoverstudentloans.com. Limitations apply. Three, two, one. Never has there been a better time to be alive in human history. If you're not feeling it, you must discover why. Join Matthew Bolton in developing and applying a framework of objective optimism toward a flourishing life of meaning, health, and happiness. Here's your host, Matthew Bolton. Hi, everybody. Welcome to Mr. Brightside. I'm Matthew Bolton. So I've been thinking about my father a lot these days. Um, He died just over a year ago. We've uh, recently had the first anniversary of his death, uh, September 24th. And then uh, just the other day, it was what would have been his 69th birthday. So again, he's, he's just still in our uh, my mind so much these days. And uh, and I know this is Mr. Brightside. I'm not here to bring anybody down. And it's not about that. It's about, uh, you know, just in thinking about him, I, uh, you know, recalled an article that I wrote over a year and a half ago. And uh, this, this is uh, nothing in the way of, it wasn't like a big tribute to him or anything like that. It was something that I wrote while he was still alive. Um, and it was just one anecdote that had a lesson in it. And I thought it was something worth putting down on paper. And again, I thought today, you know what, it's just as good a, a, an idea as any to, to talk about on the show. Um, I think uh, for a lot of parents and uh, teachers these days too, anybody who deals with young people, uh, we have this idea uh, that we're a little scared to upset them too much. That's kind of one of the big things. We, we, want, we think that we're, we're doing our best when we are constantly on good terms with the, with the kids. We're keeping them happy. Um, we're scared that, that we, to show them that they might think that we don't love them or um, teachers and, and other teachers and coaches, say, for example, might think that they're losing rapport or something uh, with a kid if they get angry at them and think that the kid's going to be like, oh, I don't like this teacher anymore. I know I feel like that sometimes. I feel a little worried sometimes. I teach kids in my home here, my wife and I do. And 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 then, and then in being angry, I don't want to lose any rapport I've built up with over the, over time with them because, um, you know, I'll, it's there's a lot of capital in that, um, in, in having them uh, connect with you and, and really and being an effective teacher. So I understand this fear, but it is unwarranted. And I want to make sure that we, uh, that we don't lose the distinction between being, uh, being a friend versus being a mentor, a teacher, or a parent. There's a, there's a line there, and uh, I think it can get lost sometimes. And this story that I had uh, that came to mind to me uh, I want to recount it here today. Um, I've done this a few times, taking an article I've written before and then uh, sharing it on the podcast in verbal form like this. And I find it very helpful. There's a couple things. One is I get to elaborate on the points. Uh, two, uh, some people just don't read an article. And then also on top, I mean, this is a year and a half later and I have experienced since then um, and different reflections and, and different um, ideas on top that can really uh, make the points um maybe more powerful uh, than they were. And, and I understand them more deeply than I did a year and a half ago. 
So uh, the article in question I'm talking about was thanks for being scary dad. And uh, I just wanted to say that as a little bit of a, to to pop out at people, um, it's not necessarily being scary is a parenting principle I'm trying to promote here, (laughs) but you'll see what I mean as I go through, through the story. Now, I guess what I'll do the best way to do is just jump right in and tell you uh, what was the story. And it was sometime, I believe it was sometime in junior high school, uh, I think early junior high. Um, I can't really recall all the details, but I was uh, at a friend's house after school. We had walked from school to my friend's house and I was just kind of stopping off there and then, okay, I still got to make it home. It was quite a ways home still. And I don't know how it came to be, but I somehow got in contact with my father. I was talking to him and, you know, and talk, telling him I was here and I'd be home. And he just somehow said, well, you know, I could come get you. And I said, well, that'll be great. Like I can, you know, I can get a ride home. This is excellent. So I knew he'd be a few minutes, at least five, 10 minutes, maybe I'm not sure. So I'm not just going to stand there. So I, we went uh, downstairs in the basement and we played a little bit of mini hockey with the little mini sticks back in the day on our knees on the carpet, shooting some, uh, maybe some small ball or some socks around or something with a, with a, with a stick playing, playing goal uh, versus each other. And it was fun. And we were screwing around for a few minutes. And uh, before I knew it, there was a beep out in the driveway, beep. And I thought, oh, there's my dad. I got to get going. Oh, you know, because, you know, I don't want to keep him waiting. So I kind of, you know, rush up the stairs, hurriedly put my shoes on real quick, say, see you later, man. I'm going out to the car and I'm feeling great. This is just a great day. I was having fun with my friend. I was feeling light. I'm getting a ride home. I don't have to walk all that way. And, uh, you know, feeling pretty good. But, uh, you know, I was aware, like, I better get going. Uh, My dad doesn't want to wait. But uh, as I went out to the car, I started to see, I started to notice that his face didn't look very happy from what I could see through the windshield, although I wasn't sure. And I tried a little bit. I kind of, I knew it was pathetic from the very start, but, uh, you know, my, I mean, first of all, my stomach just kind of dropped. My whole mood changed a little bit, but I thought maybe if I maintain this lightness that I have, he, he might just kind of, it might not be true that he's, that he's upset. But I, I kind of knew before I even got in that, that, well, we'll we'll see it. We'll see what I knew, uh, what I already knew when when I get. so I get into the car and I sit down and he is just steaming. I, I can see he's not looking at me. He's looking straight ahead. He's pretty contained, but yet I can tell he is angry. I, I thought. I mean, I think my father was a particularly scary guy, and of course. A lot of the fathers, most of the fathers were very scary back in the day. All the mothers were very scary back in the day. Um, but I think uh, my brother and sister know, and my friends would even would laugh and agree. My father was particularly scary. So, um, you know, actually, another thing, I'll tell you this. I'm, many of you know this, but I, I do have another podcast. It's called Bolton from Bolton. It's a podcast I do with my brother uh, where we have fun talking about uh hockey and sports in general, but mainly hockey, um, just anything to do with it. So uh, anything in the National Hockey League, uh, stories that are going on, the way we think about it, do we just talk back and forth of how we would normally talk about it in our lives? And we talk about the youth game and development and and all kinds of things to do with hockey uh, and growing up. Recently, uh, because it was the anniversary of our father's death, we did a special episode where we revisited uh, some some stories. I mean, we certainly couldn't cover all, but uh, we, we went through uh, some stories and, and reminiscences about how our father influence, influenced us growing up, uh, how he supported us in our hockey and, 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 uh, and how it 
a lot of the lessons from sports, including how he, what he demanded from us in sports, shaped our character. We invited our sister on, our older sister, Turin, came on uh, for that episode, and we had a lot of fun uh, revisiting stories and sharing some old-time uh you know, what hockey was like way back in the day. I think it's a lot of fun for anybody who played youth sports in the 80s, 90s, uh, and any time, really, any period, because you can, you'll probably recognize uh, a lot of the, the, what just the period. And then, of course, uh, how our father, um, our father played in some of these stories. But anyway, that was a lot of fun. Uh, that, uh, that episode, I encourage you to go, to go look at it. Um, but uh, but it's also revealed again how yeah he was uh, you know he could be a little bit uh, frightening you didn't want to mess around so I'm getting there he's he's not back to our story here of course he's he's not very happy and I just thought oh man my whole world it did a whole 180 I was feeling great as I said had a great day and all of a sudden it was like way down I said my stomach dropped when I came out the door now I was like this is on oh man this man is angry as so i'm just like what am i gonna do i'm i don't dare speak like just what's gonna happen here and then he broke the silence he said you know when someone comes to pick you up you better be ready for them right and then i was just like okay i was at least there was like dialogue. So it felt a little more comfortable. I don't know, even if you're dealing with an angry wife or something, you know, sometimes the silence is worse than when you actually just at least start talking about it. Like just talk about it, please. So I, I came back with, well, I did like, I rushed up. Like I came, you know, I came as soon as you honk the horn, I came running up and I got rushed. So I was just, it was kind of desperate, but he was like, he went on to explain further that, it's not just about that. It's about someone is coming to do you a favor. So it's up to you to accommodate that person. Now, he wasn't saying it that calmly and, and all that. He was angry. He was still very indignant about the whole thing and, and angry about it. And he was having a hard time bringing himself back down. He wasn't yelling, but he was certainly saying it with some with intensity and, and uh, you know real indig- indignation in his voice and really anger at me. And uh, I felt bad about it. But you know what? I ought to have felt bad. I knew that I knew before I even went up that I was wrong. I knew that I should have been kind of ready. I just didn't know to what extent. So you could see that already right away. I I understood when I came out the door, I was like, oh, he's upset. And I even knew running up the stairs. Oh, there's my dad. I got to go. Because on some level, I knew it. I just didn't know to what extent. Now, his reaction and his real indignation and anger helped me understand it more deeply. Now, I will return to this story and and say more and make more of the point uh, uh, near the end of the show, but I want to fast forward a bit to how this actually affected my character going forward. And before I say how it affected my character, I want to emphasize that it is important uh, to to develop good character. And I think it's our job as teachers and parents dealing with young people to teach them how to be a good person. So this doesn't mean, this This doesn't involve just telling them they're good all the time. That's not how you develop character. Um, young kids don't know necessarily what is good character and they should be made to know when they are not acting in accordance with what you think is a good person. And my father certainly didn't let me get away with that and I'm all the better for it. Um, I think a lot of times, as I said at the beginning of the show, that we're, we think we're being good parents and teachers when we don't make kids upset, we're, we're, when we keep them feeling happy and good about themselves. It's cool to make them feel good about themselves, but it has to be based on something in reality. 
self-esteem is not founded upon just telling kids they're doing things great when they're not. When they're not doing things properly, they should be made to know and they can experience a feeling that's not self-esteem. That's maybe something akin to guilt. Um, and again, not the idea is to make them feel guilty, but for them to understand this is not the habit or the practice of a good person. And then when they do, um, self-esteem is founded upon, you know, being a good person, at, at doing the practices, the habits, achieving things in reality that are good and that a person of good character does. And then this way, they will become, in reality, a good person. I think Jordan Peterson has a, a really great uh, expression. I, you know, I certainly don't agree with everything Jordan Peterson says, but uh, I think he has a lot of good ideas in, in some cases. And, and and this is one of them. He says uh, that, you you know, you shouldn't let your child be somebody that you wouldn't like. So if my child is acting a certain way or my student is acting a certain way that is a person like if that were someone else's kid, I'd be like, what a little jerk or something. I was like, I'm not letting my kid be that. And you should let them know that. Um, It's not about just constantly making them think they're good all the time when they're not. Um, And I think that it's, it, it requires Sometimes being harsh, kids are going to be upset about it when you let them know that they're not being good because they will feel guilty. They'll feel bad about themselves. And I know that hurts to see, but, you know, if they ne- if they don't experience that, then they will never uh, have the lesson. And again, I'm going to make that point later. But fast forward to how good character pays. Uh, I want to share a couple stories. Now, the first one of how it expressed in the future was Nobody in my life is ever waiting for me again. Um, when I, you know, my father was very busy. He would um, work shift work, um, you know, 12 hour shifts, six to six, six to six, whether morning to night or night to morning. Um, and we said in that, that recent show how it was quite amazing how he still managed to be at so many of our sporting events. I don't know how he managed to, we said that he didn't sleep, we thought. But nonetheless, uh, there were obviously plenty of times where um, we had a lot of different parents uh, picking us up and giving us rides to games and even uh, full tournaments and everything. And uh, I'm always very grateful and appreciative of of that. Um, But uh, now when people did come to pick me up, obviously before I would be there, they'd come, they might beep, I'd go out, not anymore. After this day, never again. I tell you what, if I, let's say it was hockey. I played all kinds of sports. But let's say it was hockey. If I had someone coming to pick me up, I'd be, my house was the first on the end off of a, more, a busier street. And I could see the busy street out through the bay window in the living room. Honestly, I have my ba- gear bag packed right down by the door, my sticks up by the door. And I'd be sitting up in the living room 10, 15 minutes before they're supposed to pick me up, just hanging out in the living room, looking out the window as a car, see headlights come up the road. I see a car coming up on that road. Are they turning in here? No. Okay. It's not the, oh, is it, oh, they're turning in. Oh, probably coming here. I'm standing up. I'm in the bay window. I'm waving to the cars. They pull their headlights pulling so they can see me. And I'm like, I'm running down. I'm outside just as they're pulling in. Like nobody is ever waiting for me. Now, fast forward to my later twenties. And this is when I was, this is around the period where I met my wife. Uh, Before the uh, university I currently work at, I had worked at another university south of here. And at that time, I didn't have a lot of money and I would take any work I could get. Um, And my wife's cousin had a small, very small company that uh, basically was an agent between companies 
companies and teachers. So they would go to a company like a Samsung, for example, but many other smaller companies than that say, do you want to have an English class, arrange the class? And then they, she had a roster of teachers that she would hook up uh, with that class. Um, and, you know, she said one day she met me, do you want to do this? And I said, yeah. Now my wife was one of the three people in this small concern working in there. So I dealt with them a lot and this is how I got to know them and got to know her. And uh, so it's a very, uh, you know, while it was a, you know, a period, a tough period in, in my life and our lives, it was obviously a great period because it led to um, something that, you know, that's so great these days for both of us. But um, at that time, I didn't have a car. It was hard to get around to these classes. Um, you know, she was, she was so busy her herself, obviously, but her cousin was so busy. Um, she was driving. A lot of teachers were like me as well. A lot of the foreign teachers, she had to teach the class. She would be driving them around herself. She'd be arranging cabs for them, paying for the cabs. Um, and she also had her own father often pick up teachers and drive them to these classes and stuff like that. And I was among that group. I had one class that was a 6.30 a.m. class. And uh, and her father's one of these uh, really old Korean guys that they love going up to the mountain early in the morning and go hiking. It's amazing what's, what goes on here. Like just old people up in the mountains uh, early in the mornings hiking to the top. And it's like, you know, I have like young students who who walk up a little hill and they're, they're huffing and puffing. And it's like, it's quite amazing. It's something. But anyway, he's like one of these guys. So he's coming, he gets up around that time anyway. He'd come to pick me up around 5.30. And uh, so it was arranged that he was going to come pick me up around 5.30. Now, my university was down the street and my apartment complex was off of this giant highway. And this is just another side point, by the way, in Korea. I mean, imagine this is like a pretty, this is like countryside. This highway is like down the street, there's a university and then like farms. And then up the street, there's an apartment complex, not houses. It's the countryside and there's still apartment complex. This is how densely populated this country is. Um, it, it's quite amazing anyway, but uh, that's a side note. So my complex is off the right off the highway. And so a person would have to come in, turn off the highway, search through the, the buildings and go around the little roads and find which building was mine and then pull in there and then get me. So of course, when he comes into the, to my building, I'm obviously going to be now knowing what you now know about me. I'm obviously going to be ready, right? I'm going to be downstairs before he's even there, ready to go. Right? Well, that is true, but even more than that, I had really learned to consider the perspective of the person that's coming to do me a favor. This guy is not even involved directly in the business. It's his daughter's business. He's like 70 years old. He's, you know, he's coming out at 5.30 a.m. on a dark highway road to pick up some foreign teacher. He can't even speak English, right? Like, you know, so I thought if I'm him, I'm not, I'm not having this guy come in off the highway to search through and find my my building and then, and then text me and tell me to come down. I'll be like, right down. Great. No. So I was out on the highway road at night or excuse me, in the dark in the early morning at five 30 in the cold in the winter, just waiting for him. And if he just pulled right up the road, there I was in the car and gone. And we would go ahead in the car. Um, and we, you know, I, my Korean is not particularly strong now, but uh, it was brutal at that time. And uh, so I really couldn't say much to the guy just to really try to be polite and smile a lot and, you know, say hello and thank you. And then we'd just be kind of quiet on the ride. And But it was still a kind of a pleasant ride. It wasn't uncomfortable. There was some kind of uh, pleasantry and comfort uh, between us. 
And I learned later something uh, that was very rewarding to hear later on after we were married. My wife and I were married. That was rewarding to hear. Now, my wife tells me now that he had often uh, had to go, you know, he would pull in to, to pick up different teachers for different jobs and they would, would not be ready um, uh, right away. Or sometimes they wouldn't even come and he would have to call his daughter and then she would call the teacher and then she couldn't get through to them because they were, whatever, you know, maybe they didn't answer. Maybe they had been you know, they were sick, uh, from the night before, um, you know, and other times they just, Oh yeah, sorry, I'm sick. I can't go to the class. Sometimes they would answer and then he has to drive away, but like, why would you call in and stuff? So it's quite like some horrible stories like that. Now, of course, I think for the most part, he was picking up people. I'm not saying all the other foreign teachers were like that. Um, obviously he was had, he was picking people up and they were ready to go and he would text them. They'd come down or whatever, but but uh, I had made a particular impression on, on him because it was known years later when uh, it was known that I was going to marry his, uh, his uh, oh my God, anyway, his niece, excuse me. I don't know how to do reverse relationships. Anyway, when I was going to marry his niece, he was talking to my mother-in-law and he was telling her, you know, this is the right man. This is the kind of guy you can rely on. Um, and he was just always so taken. He always remembered that story. And he, and, and I later learned he actually told a lot of people about it all the time in the family. So I had kind of built up a bit of a good reputation among the family uh, early on uh, through him. And it's still true that while he, he lives, uh, he doesn't live as close as some of the other uncles. So we don't see him as often, but whenever we do, it's always that he's always so pleased to see me. And he always brings it up and uh, that kind of thing. And just, he just really thinks this kind of, I like this guy. Now I know this kind of sounds like me talking about what a great guy I am or something. I guess, yeah, it's a part of that, but no, it's not a, it's, it's something that was, that was developed in me, a character trait that was instilled in me because of my father's lesson that he taught me. And it was instilled on me, instilled in me because of he, he let me feel bad about something I should have felt bad about. Um, I was able to empathize with the person who was doing me the favor. This person's doing me a favor. It's up to me to accommodate them. I'm able to take on the perspective of other people in other situations. And how will, how will my actions affect them? And what do they deserve? And this is what it, what, what it did for me. And I don't think it would have taken if he had held above all, like, well, I don't want to make Matthew feel too bad because, you know, he's my son and I just don't like seeing him feel upset too much. Um, you know, if he had that kind of attitude, it wouldn't have come close to, to sticking with me. Um, you know, if he had said to me something like, if I had come out of that, my friend's house and I said, Hey dad, how's it going? He goes, and he was a little upset about it, but he, he swallowed it and said, you know, Matthew, uh, you know, when people come to pick you up, you should be ready for them. Right. You know? And I was like, yeah, you know, you're right. And, you know, I, I guess I would have said, yeah, you're right. Because I kind of did know it already, but at the same time, I would have had in my mind, well, yeah, in my mind, I would have said, well, yeah, well, that's why I rushed up. I know this, like I rushed up and was hurried. So yeah, I already know that. So yeah, I got it. Yeah, you're right, dad. And that would have been the end of it. I wouldn't have got further to the extent of how important it is to actually be ready and not have people wait for you at all. Now I kind of laugh. I, I, it occurred to me at the time when I wrote the article and I did include it in the article. And, and I, it occurs to me again that some modern therapist might be like, well, this sounds horrible. Like the reason you, this, this lesson is stuck with you and that incident is stuck with you so much is because you were traumatized by it. And, uh, you know, but I, I want to reject that right away. Cause I think trauma, a, a traumatizing experience might express itself in some kind of impulsive self-destructive behavior whenever I think about the incident, but this is not, this is just 
developed in me an admirable quality trait, uh, character trait. So I, I don't buy any of that, any of that argument. Um, but I have emphasized the emotional change that took place on that day in me because I believe it's that um, emotional experience and the guilt I felt that made it such a formative experience for me at that time. And the issue besides all that is why did I feel bad? I didn't feel bad because it wasn't like my dad was angry because he had done something wrong and then he wanted to project it onto me and irrationally got angry and kind of, you know, lashed out at me for something I didn't do. And then I'd be all confused and, you know, I wouldn't have, you know, and just, he want to make me feel bad because he felt bad. This is what people do. And, and that's completely wrong. Just people who are angry parents because they resent uh, being being parents at all, they, re, they they just don't have any patience at all for something that's an innocent error. But he was indignant for something that is legitimate. He came to pick me up. He's doing me a favor. He's going way out of his way. There's doesn't have to at all. And then I come out trotting along, like making him wait in the car, like he's like a caddy or some kind of servant of mine. And of course, he should properly properly be indignant. And of course, he's angry. He deserves to be. He was right. And I knew he was right. I said, I knew it from the first moment that from the first beep, when I first came out and saw him, I said, I already knew. I just didn't know to what extent. And, but I learned the extent through seeing and fearing his reaction and by being hurt by his reaction. I felt bad, not because he was angry, but because I had offended him. I knew I did. And, you know, of course his anger built along the way. And of course I feel bad because I knew it was my fault and I wouldn't have really got the full point had he not been as angry as, as he was. And what I get to understand today, because of how my father reacted, because I was, it was so deeply ingrained, uh, I was impressed upon me through his reaction. I get to understand that these things matter to people. Ask my wife's uncle, whether they matter, matter to people. This is, this is a behavior that my father doesn't respect. It's unacceptable if his kids were to grow up to be the kind of people who act like this. And this is true in all kinds of other instances. We mentioned that on the hockey show we did recently. So many different things. What, you know, he's like, my kids are not people being kids who don't work when they go. When you want to play a sport, you better work hard for it. You're going to be on a team. You better be responsible for your teammates and your coaches, right? You better not be the guy who's just screwing off and not, not, not giving it, you know, and this is another thing. Um, you know, this is a, a value that's a deep value to him. He respects that in people and he doesn't want to see his son grow up to be somebody who doesn't exhibit that virtue that he, that he values. Um, it's just like what I said with uh, Jordan Peterson is right. Don't let your kids grow up to be someone who you don't, who you wouldn't like. Now I'm not saying that my father was totally aware that this was a teachable moment and I'm going to, you know, really let him know. And when he comes so that I can make sure he gets the lesson and all that stuff. No, he was just angry. Right. I don't doubt that. And, and look, I'm not saying my, my point here today is definitely not, you should really get angry at your kids and uncontrollably yell at them and whatnot. I mean, you can be strict and stern and show your disappointment and show them that this is not acceptable in a stern way, like, and let them feel bad without actual anger or anything like that. Um, so it's not, you know, it's not, the lesson is not, you should, you know, parents today, we should be a lot scarier. We should all get angry. No, but we should not fear um, making our kids upset is my main point. Um, so I don't think my father necessarily knew that. And I think there were a lot of instances like this. I just shared this one anecdote uh, that I remember, but there were many other uh, such times where, where he would 
where he expressed, you know, his anger was very visible. And then I, I took the lesson uh, more deeply, but uh, you know, if he just got angry for no reason um, and something I really didn't think I had done, then I wouldn't be really hurt by it too much. Um, but this kind of thing uh, where he, where he's in the right, I know that I'm wrong. And it's just up to somebody to really let me know that I am. I just, you're kind of hoping to get away with it. Well, you're not getting away with it. And I think that this kind of lesson might have gone unheeded uh, had it not been impressed uh, on me through some kind of accompanying emotional pain. Now, it's very important to note in all of these that I never questioned my father loving me or like, was he? oh, he doesn't love me and that's why, or he's not proud of me or anything like that. I never Never question that. You know, you can have these ideas when you're sitting there and you're a little angry, like <laughs> I'm so angry at my parents or my teacher because they yelled at me or because they got angry or something. But it's really you're just angry. You're disappointed in yourself and you're just sad or mad that somebody pointed it out. And again, that is the job of, of parents and adults around children. We're trying to teach them how to be I always say we're trying to teach them how to be people, right? People in in this in society, people, and how to be not just because of society or for, for other people, but for themselves. How to how to build their own character and how to develop self esteem and live a happy life. Ultimately, I can recall many instances where uh, my father might get upset about something, and then I'd be very upset, and then he would come into my room later, and you know this is usually after I might have been there for so a while, and maybe probably had a good cry on my own, and he would eventually feel bad, like he's he's in there crying, and then he would come in and talk to me much more calmly and say, now, let me tell you why I got so upset. And he would go on and give me like that. And it was very common. I remember that kind of conversation a lot. So, you know, it was never that he's just like, you little jerk, and I hate you. And that's what I felt going away. No, it's, you're being a jerk, and I don't like this. And I'm angry about it, right? And I, and I knew it, as I say. So I, I never doubted that at all. So I would, I want to alleviate that fear which I said that I, I share as a teacher, sometimes I fear losing the rapport that I've built up with students. If I, if I kind of really get hard on them for something that, you know, this is something, you know, that, you know, and it's your fault, not mine. And you better pick it up. Um, because they'll be like, Oh, because then I'll lose all that, some extra time that I, you know, it's a lot easier to teach people when they really want to work for you. So that's a really good, big balance of motivation and stuff like that. Um, and psychology in teaching and all that stuff. But, um, but it doesn't help anybody. It doesn't help any young people to help them evade reality. And I know that while it did make me feel better when my dad would come in and talk to me after the fact, and we should do that, I do know that it's the time that I spent alone hurting and feeling bad about myself and thinking about it where the lesson really sunk in. So that's pretty much it, what I've got for today. Um, I, you know, I don't know if I've laid it out there as clearly as I might. Uh, and for that, uh, I really appreciate questions. Uh, if I get some questions and maybe I can clarify a point, maybe I didn't even, maybe it wasn't actually exactly what I wanted to say. So um, I'd love to have some questions from you. You can do that right in the comments section, uh, wherever you consume this show. You can go to the Mr. Brightside Facebook page, facebook.com slash matthewbolton.ca. Uh, please uh, share this video if you found any value in it. If you think it's something that someone needs to hear, go ahead and share it. Uh, I'll very much appreciate that. Thanks very much, everybody. I'll say in closing now that I have always had enough evidence that my father was proud of me and that he loved me. So it's okay that when I did not live up to his idea of what a good person was, that his disappointment was evident. This is a good thing. 
It's a parent's job to instill in their children strong values. And I'm forever grateful that my dad was scary and didn't let me get away with it when something meaningful to learn was at stake. I'm a better man for it today. Thank you, Dad. Mr. Brightside, your time out to refresh, refuel, and refocus your mind and energy toward building an optimistic framework for flourishing. Life is good. It's up to you to choose the bright side. 